Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Chris Cast. First off, I've got a addendum to make. I apparently was not exactly correct. <laughs> when I did my review of Empire Records, my good friend Sean pointed out to me that what I watched was different than the original version. I was talking about how uh, Lucas was closing when a customer came to the store and he went to Atlantic City with her. Apparently in the original, he and Renee Zellweger were closing the store and he then found the picture after playing drums and smoking cigars in the store, which he was not supposed to do, and went to Atlantic City where he gambled away the money. The version I have is the Empire Records Remix Special Fan Edition DVD. So thank you, Sean, for pointing that out and keeping us honest. Now on with the news. This week we saw the Emmys. We had Best Drama Series go to Game of Thrones, Comedy Series to Fleabag, Actor in a Drama was Billy Porter for Pose, Actress in a Drama, Jodie... Comer, I'm not sure if that's the way to pronounce it, from Killing Eve. Actor in a comedy, Bill Hader, for Barry. Actress in a comedy, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, for Fleabag. Supporting actor in a drama, Peter Dinklage, for Game of Thrones. Supporting actress in a drama, Julia Garner, for Ozark. Supporting actor in a comedy, Tony Shalhoub, for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Supporting Actress in a Comedy, Alex Borstein, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Limited Series went to Chernobyl. TV Movie went to Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Actor in a Limited Series or Movie went to Jarell Jerome, When They See Us. Actress in a Limited Series or Movie went to Michelle Williams for Fosse Verdon. Supporting Actor in a Limited Series Movie went to Ben Wishaw from a very English, I, the rest of it's cut off, I'm sorry. Uh, supporting actress, limited series or movie, Patricia Arquette for the act, and she went on to discuss transgender rights due to the loss of her sister, Alexis Arquette, in her speech. Check it out. Guest actor in a drama went to Bradley Whitford for The Handmaid's Tale. Guest actress in a drama went to Cherry Jones for The Handmaid's Tale. Guest actor in a comedy went to Luke Kirby. And my computer is froze up. He was in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Guest actress in a comedy went to Jane Lynch for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Variety talk series went to Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Variety Sketch Series went to Saturday Night Live. Competition Series went to RuPaul's Drag Race. Reality Host went to RuPaul for RuPaul's Drag Race. Directing in a Comedy went to Fleabag from director Harry Bradbeer. Directing in a Drama went to Ozark, director Jason Bateman. Also, just on a side note, Jason Bateman has been recorded as saying, or reported as saying, that he would do a Clue remake with him directing and he, him starring along with Ryan Reynolds. That's a movie I would watch. 
directing for a limited movie, Chernobyl, Johan Rink, directing for a variety, Saturday Night Live, Don Roy King, writing for a comedy, went to Fleabag, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, writing in a drama, Succession, Jesse Armstrong, writing for a limited movie or series, a limited series or movie, I'm sorry, Chernobyl, Craig Mazin, and writing for a variety show, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Unfortunately, I did not get to see the Emmys this year. I had to work. Odd news this week. An angry walrus attacked and reportedly sank a Russian Navy boat. You heard it. A walrus sank a Russian Navy boat. I just, I don't know what to say about this story. It says an angry mother walrus attacked and allegedly sank a Russian landing craft in the Arctic last week, according to the Russian Geographical Society, which had crew on board. The incident happened during a landing expedition involving the Altai, a rescue tugboat in Russia's northern fleet in the Cape Geller region of the north. The military and civilian crew are researching wildlife and tracking a century-old expedition's journey through the Arctic. The RGO says the landing crew spooked a mother walrus, causing her to turn on the crew in defense of her cubs. Never attack or scare a mother with her children. Another bit of news this week. How can you not love, admire, and respect the little 16-year-old Greta Thunberg from Stockholm, Sweden? The environmental activist. She, in my book, is an amazing, amazing teenager. She gave an impassioned speech at the UN. And of course, what happens with our politicians in America? They write her off as a child. They belittle her. They say that what she says is not possible. They completely disregard the climate change. We see it constantly. Polar ice caps melting, icebergs melting, the frozen sea in in Alaska is thawed for the first time ever, the hottest recorded July in the history of the world was this year. Yeah, there's not a thing with climate change, is there? On to happier notes, the Twilight Zone is going to be celebrating its 60th anniversary this year, and in honor of its 60th anniversary, it'll be coming to theaters for one day only. The one night only event takes place on November 14th and features digitally restored episodes and an all-new documentary short titled Remembering Rod Serling. I was never the biggest Twilight Zone fan. But seeing it on the big screen would be very enjoyable, I do believe. More entertainment news. Variety reports that Marvel's Kevin Feige is developing Star Wars movie for Disney. Feige will join Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy on an upcoming Star Wars film as she ushers in a new wave of Star Wars content following the conclusion of the Skywalker saga. The last film in the series, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, 
opens in theaters on December 20th? I don't know. I like Star Wars. I'm not a huge fan. I like Marvel. I am a huge fan. I will see this movie. I just don't know if they're once again going back to making way too many films way too quickly. Another announcement from Disney this week. John Stamos and Graham Phillips cast in ABC's The Little Mermaid Live. That's right. Not only are they doing a live-action Little Mermaid going to the theaters, there's also a Little Mermaid Live to broadcast on TV. I definitely am tired of them remaking everything. Disney apparently wants to remake every animated film they've ever made as a live-action film. And I gotta tell you, the only way we're gonna stop this is to stop supporting them. Don't go see the films. Don't watch the films on TV. Don't buy them on DVD. Just don't support remakes. In DC news this week, DC Comics, Crisis on Infinite Earths began production on... Uh, September 24th, which was Tuesday. Along with the beginning production came word that Le uh, Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor on Smallville, has opted out of the Crisis crossover. And today came the a new report that Linda Carter may be reprising her role as Wonder Woman. For the crisis on infinite earths. I very much hope that happens. If you've listened to me. If you know me. You know that I love Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. My favorite show. My favorite character. I would love to see her return as Wonder Woman one more time. American Horror Story started last week. One of the best seasons they've had in a long time. And Gus Kenworthy had to write an essay for ESPN to all the naysayers that say he can't play a straight man. Because he's gay. This is ridiculous. He's an actor. Actors portray people they aren't. If a straight person can portray a gay person, then a gay person can portray a straight person. It's just common sense. Why it's an issue, I don't know. It's like Billy Porter won the Emmy and all of a sudden he's labeled the first openly gay African American to win the, uh, the Emmy. It shouldn't matter. He's an actor. He won the Emmy. That's where it should lie. We need to stop with the labels. But to say that a certain actor can't portray a certain role is completely ignoring the definition of an actor. So hopefully people will stop worrying about personal lives and start paying attention to the acting job they do. And finally... DC Comics announced they are launching a partnership with All Elite Wrestling. 
There's few details at the moment, but it was on their Instagram account. They had a drawing from Howard Porter, who was Flash and Justice League artist, his version of Chris Jericho. It is Chris Jericho with the AEW Championship, and underneath it, it says, Who Can Stop the Champion? Stay tuned for more of our DC Comics collaboration, and don't miss TNT Drama Super Villain Weekend all weekend long this Friday, September 27th through Sunday. I do hope All Elite Wrestling becomes a hit. I'm a wrestling fan, but I've not been impressed with wrestling in years. WWE bought their competition of WCW back around 2001, 2002 maybe, and basically destroyed their product. When you have nobody to be better than because you have no competition, you have no desire to make your product better. And that's what WWE has suffered. That is why I never want Marvel Comics to buy DC Comics or DC Comics to buy Marvel Comics. I want them to be in competition forever so they keep producing stuff to be better than the other. But that's it for my news this week. After the break, I will be coming back with not one, but two reviews. I will review Emergence the new TV series on ABC, and I will review Jim Cornette Presents Behind the Curtain, graphic novel. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the show. First review I'm going to do is Emergence. I have to say, the ads were misleading on this show. Not in that it was good or bad, but in the way things played, which I've noticed has been a regular occurrence. In the previews, if you saw them, you saw the car flips up in the air, crashing, and then they show the little girl telling the police chief, don't be mad. Those were two different points in the show. Didn't hurt it at all. I very much enjoyed Emergence. Starts off, there's some kind of happening, a magnetic pulse maybe. Cuts power. You see the digital alarm clock spiraling. You see a safety pin fly across the room and stick to the radiator. All the power goes out. She grabs her cell phone. Her cell phone doesn't work. They go outside after they hear a noise and look up in the sky and it almost looks like the northern lights over the houses. The power suddenly returns. She gets a phone call on her cell phone that she still has in her hand. She talks to her child like a real mother would talk which I thought was kind of impressive. Um, her daughter says, can I go with you? And she goes, sure can't. Just the sarcasm of a mother and daughter, the, the way it would be. 
she gets there, she finds out that it was a plane crash. There are fake NTSB agents. The crash is literally cleaned up overnight, almost instantaneously. The question remains, who is the girl? What is the girl? Why did this plane crash? There's a reporter that tells the police chief exactly what he knows is going to be the official story of the plane crash. I don't want to give anything away. Because I, I never want to spoil things. But this show has so many mysteries in it. And so many unanswered questions from this first episode. I definitely have to tune in again. Literally, who is the girl? Does she have powers? Does she not? Why was there a magnetic pulse or whatever it was? What caused the plane to crash? Who's covering up the plane crash? Who were the fake NTSB agents? On a desire to see this show again, uh, between 1 and 10, I would have to rate it a 9. My interest is definitely peaked. I want to know what's going to happen with these characters. There were two very notable names that I noticed in this show. One was Donald Faison, who of course was in Clueless years ago, and more recently Scrubs. And then for my comic book fans out there, Clancy Brown plays the father of the police chief. He, you may know, as the voice of Lex Luthor on Superman the Animated Series, as well as the Justice League Animated Series and Justice League Unlimited. Looking over the credits here on IMDb, Allison Tolman is listed as playing Joe. When I pulled her up, found one thing of particular interest. She played Tink in Sorted Lives the Series. If you have not been familiar with Sorted Lives, that's another one I definitely suggest. I may even review that one coming up. But there was Sorted Lives the film, then Sorted Lives the series on Logo, and then Sorted Lives, or A Very Sorted Wedding was the final installment. Very, very funny series. The films were great. The TV show was hilarious. I highly suggest watching it if you haven't. The little girl, they give the name Piper, as she has no memory. She is played by Alexa Swinton. The daughter of the police chief, Joe. The daughter's name is Bree. She is played by, I hope I get this name right, Ashley Ofterhide. There was really nobody else that I recognized in this episode other than Donald Faison and Clancy Brown. My listeners out there may know some of the others. But like I said, this show is definitely intriguing. Good production value. I hope to see it stick around and I really want to find out what's going on. I hope you tune in for it and I hope you enjoy it. Now for my second review. 
One of my favorite podcasts to listen to, there's actually two of them that rank the same. It is the Jim Cornette Experience and the Jim Cornette's Drive-Thru. I listen to both every week. I'm trying to catch up on all the shows that I had missed for all those all the time that he's done them. Full disclosure here, I am a huge Jim Cornette fan. I have been since 1987 when Sweet Stan Lane joined beautiful Bobby Eaton as the new Midnight Express, managed by James Earl Cornette. So anything that he does, I'm going to be interested in. Because of his podcast, I started watching Major League Wrestling, which is available on YouTube if you haven't seen it. It's actually a really good show, especially for an independent show. But on to my review for Jim Cornette Presents Behind the Curtain, Real Pro Wrestling Stories. I bought this from Jim Cornette's website. He had 1500 available in hardcover. It is from IDW Limited. You can get a paperback version from Amazon. Unfortunately, Jim Cornette's 1500 copies sold out in a matter of days. And I got mine on a Friday morning. He was numbering them and selling them in the order the orders came in. So whoever got the first one got one out of 1500 On the sale, I believe, started on a Thursday. On Friday morning, or Friday afternoon, when I ordered it, I was 1393 out of 1500 So it was going that fast. The artwork in the book is very well done. It doesn't really... I can't say it's lifelike because they are cartoony drawings, but it's great art. Uh, the credits here, stories by Jim Cornette, written by Brandon Easton, art by Dennis Medry, colors by Jordy Eskewen, letters by Tom B. Long, edited by Eric Moss. I enjoyed the book very much. Again, I am a wrestling fan. I'm a huge Jim Cornette fan. The book actually, I will break it down. Again, I'm not going to tell any of the stories. A lot of these you can hear on his podcast, but it's great in the book because you get to see them with illustrations, giving you a more visual representation of what it might be. It starts out with an introduction by Jim Cornette himself. It's terminology he defines on the podcast, and there's a glossary at the back of the book that he uses through the, the introduction. So if you're reading the introduction and you're not really familiar with wrestling, you can flip to the back and check out what the word is. It is... The, the glossary in the back is, writ, is done in alphabetical order. The first story is Sputnik Monroe. It talks about 
Sputnik during the times of segregation, accepting his black fans. And I know it's been a recurring theme here lately on my show, but segregation was a terrible, terrible thing. We need everybody to come together. We don't need to separate anybody. And back to what I was saying earlier on the show, we don't need the labels. We need to accept people for the people they are. The Sputnik Monroe story, I really enjoyed. The second story was on The Sheik. The third story was one that I think most people are familiar with, even if they're not wrestling fans. It was Andy Kaufman. And if you don't know, Jim Cornette started his wrestling career as a photographer. He talks about this on his podcast a lot. The story with Andy Kaufman, after all the illustrations are done, actually includes photos that Jim Cornette took from the actual match. They are his legitimate pictures that he he took while they were wrestling. The fourth story is a plane crash that could have ended wrestling as we knew it would as what it would become because of the people involved. You had Mr. Wrestling Tim Woods, Johnny Valentine, Bob Bruggers, the voice of Jim Crockett Promotions, David Crockett, and the man who would be heralded as the greatest world heavyweight champion of all time, Nature Boy Ric Flair, was in the plane that crashed. Details are in the book. The fifth story is about the junkyard dog and one of his fans who climbed the rail and pulled a gun on the Freebirds. The Freebirds, of course, Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and Buddy Roberts. The sixth story is on Dr. Jerry Graham. Even tells about how Billy Graham came to get his name. The seventh story is about a mob riot that started due to the Midnight Express wrestling the Mulkey Brothers. If you were a fan of wrestling, you will remember the day that the Mulkey Brothers won their first and only win. It was on TBS with the new team that was coming in from the West Coast, the Gladiators. They were deemed a great team, one of the seeded teams in the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. The Mulkies beat them. Well, that led to a match between the Mulkies and the Midnight Express in South Carolina that led to a mob riot. The eighth story in the book is on the Montreal Screw Jobs, not just one. Most people know about the Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels Montreal screw job. There was one before it. The ninth and final story is a rib. And if you don't know what a rib is, it's a joke. 
there there are extras in this book including original our original articles from the newspaper like I said Jim Cornette's original photos from Jerry Lawler and the Andy Kaufman and the glossary in the back one definition I want to read is the definition of carny it says carny one a carnival worker two the language spoken by carnival workers every word has an is sound put in the middle and is spoken quickly the carnies use this to speak when they had to discuss something sensitive i.e. I jizzest stizzle his wizzolet and his wizzach. The wrestlers used it to call spots in the rain to kayfabe ringsiders, i.e. bizzati slazam, drizop kizik, and outside the rain as well around those who weren't, quote, smart. There is another more obscure style of carny where alf is, is inserted instead of is. Balfati slaufam. In the 1990s, for some reason, rappers started using an off-kilter form of carny, and that style is often heard in public today, whereas wrestlers have almost completely stopped using it. So, according to Jim Cornette, the wrestlers, or the rappers, with their faux shizzle, actually got it from the carny. The carnival workers, many of whom were wrestlers. So I hope you enjoy that book, and I hope you pick it up. I enjoyed it. Like I said, it is available in the paperback form on Amazon. I do suggest picking it up and reading it, especially if you're a pro wrestling fan. If you're a fan of comic books, you may enjoy it for the artwork. But let me know what you think. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore H 71. Until next week, so long, everybody.